Welcome to Ride Pure, the Royal Enfield podcast. A podcast about Royal Enfield motorcycles, the people who create and build them, you, the people that ride them, the things you do to them, and the places you explore on them. I'm Gordon May, Royal Enfield's historian, author, and overland motorcycle traveler, and I'll be hosting this Checkered Flag episode. Not since the heady days of the 1950s and 60s, with Redditch-based trials winners such as Peter Sterland, Peter Gaunt and Johnny Britton, or the 70s and 80s with multiple Indian Grand Prix winner Bullet Bows, has Royal Enfield had a successful works entry in any form of competition. That changed in dramatic fashion on October the 17th, 2020. Today we're going to be talking Royal Enfield's entry into flat track racing. Joining us from Royal Enfield's UK Technology Centre is Adrian Sellers, who heads up Royal Enfield's custom programme. And from Centre Hill, Florida, Johnny Lewis, who rides the Royal Enfield FT650 Twin in the progressive American flat track production twins races. And with his company Motor Anatomy, also runs the Royal Enfield Slide School in the United States. Thank you both for joining us. Um, There'll be many people around the world who haven't been exposed to flat track racing before, Adrian, so perhaps you can give us an introduction to the sport. I'd be happy to, Gordon. Thanks. Um, So flat track racing is uh, a little bit like NASCAR on on two wheels in that uh, you're going around an oval track uh, of different lengths. So there are are a couple different lengths of track. Um, It's a dirt track. Uh, and as Johnny can, can talk about a bit later, it's a very, it's not just a dirt track. There's a whole lot of science that goes into it. Um, but it's a, it's a very grassroots kind of sport. Um, the, the motorcycles use uh, 19 inch front rims, uh, are specifically designed for, uh, flat tracking to, to varying degrees to, depending on the, uh, on the class you're in. Um, and you know, one of the things that's, that's really great about it is, is that grassrootsness uh, to it that it's still very approachable as a as a sport? You know, you can uh, go and enter a pro um, a pro race pretty easily. Something you can't do in uh, in like Formula One or MotoGP or something like that. And that to us is really attractive. You know, it's it's keeping it keeping it real somehow. Um, the racing and uh, which is not to say it's easy. Um, by any stretch of the imagination, it's, it's quite, quite difficult. And, uh, as I'm sure Johnny will talk about later, you know, the, the nature of the, the fact that it's on a, on a dirt track, uh, makes for a very unpredictable surface, a very changing surface, uh, over the course of any given day. But, um, but yeah, it was enabled, enabled us as, as Royal Enfield to get into a, uh, into a, a type of motorsport, um, that was not somehow exclusive, uh, and that we could engage with people on pretty much every level. Great. I've read some manufacturers, though, have spent millions of dollars developing purpose-built, you know, special competition models from scratch just for flat track racing. Uh, but instead, of course, Royal Enfield took the decision to modify a road bike, the INT650 twin, the Interceptor. Why was that? Well, you know, we had a, we felt like we had a pretty good base. You know, when we went in in looking to what we needed to do to enter enter the sport. Um, we had a look at our, our spec list and sort of had some conversations about what we would need to do and realized that, uh, you know, quite a bit of our motor in particular was, was really robust, um, and uh, could handle a, a level of modification really well. Uh, other bits obviously had to be changed, changed more to, to get us competitive within the sport. Um, but the, the twins motor, uh, was a really, really solid base. Uh, was able to is able to take a lot of modification quite easily, um, and so yeah. So starting there was was quite logical, and then you know, obviously looking at the classes and noting you know fit right into the production twins class. Um, it was just then a matter of uh, deciding what we needed to do to or what we had to do to get it uh, to a point where we could you know hope for podiums. Um, and you know as Johnny showed over the last sort of two years um that is a distinct possibility in any race we we join um Mm -hmm. so you know it's been an adventure of uh 
you know, development and, and learning. Uh, we've tried to do a lot of this in-house, you know, so our, our own engineers and so on have, have learned an incredible amount from Johnny and from the experience of, of the racing over the past, uh, past two years, um, to get to the point we're at now. And obviously the team we've developed in the, in the U S you know, headed by Johnny, um, has been able to then take that work that we've done here and, and even punch it up further. Uh, with their insights uh, and history uh, in in flat track racing. Hmm. So, um, can you tell us a bit about the bike itself? What modifications were made to it, and who was involved in doing that in the first place? Yeah. So, so as I mentioned, there for the engine, um, we developed a lot of that, uh, a lot of those base parts uh, here in the UK at the UKGC, um, our technical centre, uh, with our engine development team. Uh, you know, a bit of a side project. These are the guys who work on the production motors. Uh, and so it's kind of fun for them to try to push it beyond, you know, what, what they're allowed to do in production. And for the racing, you don't need something that's going to last 100,000 miles. Uh, it needs to, to last that race, preferably more than that. But, you know, you're, <laughs> you're more able to tear it down uh, in between and so on if there's any problems. Um, and so, you know, you're, you can tune it quite a bit more. Um, and so that's what we've done. Uh, we've we've taken everything to the extremes of of the motor, um, you know, looking at you know different valves and and cams and so on, um, and DLC coating things, uh, et cetera, et cetera, and uh, and then put that in a custom built chassis uh, made by Harris Performance. Uh, we're now on, I think it's the like version 3.5, I guess, or thereabouts of, of the chassis. Um, that's been, you know, as, as we've built the engine, we've, we've also iterated on the chassis. We started out with a um, uh, what, sort of a, a very rough prototype that, that we presented at ICMA a couple of years back. And um, it's just gone from there. You know, I think Johnny had his first experience on our bike and in the, in the parking lot here at the at the technical center uh, on a rainy day at some point in in the winter or something like that and um you know and it's developed quite a bit from there as he's had time to get on the track with it um and give us actual feedback and and you know the team at harris have been phenomenal for taking that feedback and interpreting it and integrating it into the next version and the next version after that um and so on and so forth and that's where we find ourselves today with a uh, you know really really wonderful chassis and that uh you know, so far feedback's been pretty good. Um, so, you know, fingers crossed it, it stays that way and we're able to get even more out of it uh, as we, as we go uh, to more tracks during the season. Sure. I, I think there's probably quite a few people, maybe especially in India who haven't uh, come across Harris performance before. Can you tell us a bit, a bit more about them? Sure. Harris performance is a uh, incredible uh, chassis making brand, you know, any, 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 anything you need for making a motorcycle chassis they can do whether it's suspension or full you know ground up uh, frames swing arms everything um they've been doing it for last what 40 years or so um uh for gp bikes uh, top level of road racing and so on um so there's this amazing legacy of uh, and and level of craftsmanship and understanding uh, of uh, motorcycle dynamics there um but they hadn't uh, worked in flat track before. Um, and so it was very much a case of taking that knowledge that you built up in, in one area of racing and, and sort of paring it down to the fundamentals that can carry across, uh, and then building up, um, in this, in this completely different set of requirements. Um, mm -hmm. and, uh, so it's been a real learning experience for them. I think it's been a lot of fun, uh, a lot of fun for them to, to take, you know, their wealth of knowledge and, and apply it into something fresh. Um, they had a you know similar experience when we did our our speed uh, Bonneville uh, soft flats uh, speed trials uh, bike, you know something they hadn't done before, um, but they stepped up and and just went for it. So uh, you know that's been uh, I think it's been a, a great great experience to watch them learn at the same time as learning from them. And how long did the development process take from start to getting to the first uh, start line? Um, that's, that's oof. the last two years are a bit of a haze with the whole, uh, the whole pandemic <laughs> thing. Um, well, first race would, I guess, have been 20, 2020. 20, yeah. Daytona. Mm. So yeah. Um, 
about a, about a year before that, I suppose. So we presented the bike sure. at uh, ICMA 2019. Uh, it had been, you know, ridden once or twice, I think, um, at, at that time. And yeah, like Johnny received the, the, the second generation chassis about, uh, uh, four days or something like that before the race. So, um, <laughs> it was, a uh, yeah, the, the whole, the whole pandemic thing created all sorts of complications for getting parts and shipping logistics, everything. It just took something that was already very difficult and, and ratcheted it up the level, you know, by 200, 300%. Um, but yeah, but he soldiered on and, and got it across the line. Um, so that was, that was pretty amazing. Um, and I think, you know, we ended the season strong there. It was a short season that year and, uh, immediately started, you know, developing, um, you know, modifications on that chassis, uh, for the 21 season. Um, and then really tore it up quite a bit, uh, for the, for the 22 season, you know, it's a whole, not a completely different chassis, but a, a whole different approach based on the learnings, uh, from, you know, 20 and 21 seasons. Um, so it's, uh, yeah, it's been sort of a never ending, you know, thing. I wouldn't say we've ever been done and, uh, with it, with any given chassis, because it's always changing a bit as we move forward. And that's, you know, that's the nature of it. Uh, we try to make it stronger, faster, better uh, for what Johnny needs on any given track. Yeah, which I guess is the nature of all competition machines. Yeah, Quite. which yeah. Leads, us, leads us on to you, Johnny. How long have you been racing for? Uh, I mean, I started racing when I was uh, five years old, so it's been uh, it's been a while now. Give my age away, but I'm it's been coming up on uh, 27 years of riding riding motorcycles, racing flat track. I guess it is now. So uh, professionally since I was 16, but before. I raced flat track and then got back in the supermoto. I got into supermoto, did that for a few years, and then got back in the flat track. And um, here we are, you know, running a rolling field in the American flat track season, um, you know, for the third 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 year now. And it's been a, it's been a pretty neat experience. So, what made you decide decide to join up with a new team that was, I mean as a brand rolling field relatively unheard of in uh north american the north american race scene uh aboard a completely untested motorcycle what made you decide to you know join up yeah i mean once once people know me they realize like i'm kind of the guy that's kind of up for a challenge up for i uh, don't say no often um I've, I actually, even before I rode the rowing field, I actually have the record for the most different manufacturers put into American flat track main events. And that's even with, um, you know, not racing American flat track my whole professional career. Cause like I said, I raced supermoto for three years. So I kind of came into the sport. Um, I raced the Kawasaki when they weren't, they weren't, uh, you know, popular when Harley Davidson was like the only brand, uh, then I rode a, KTMs and Yamahas and uh, I mean the list is pretty long. I think it's I think in total it's like nine nine different manufacturers I've put into main events. So I figured you know why not put a rowing field in the main events and win some races on one. But uh, more so I think it was I think it was the challenge. Um, I think people not knowing what it was about and a kind of opportunity to show who Johnny Lewis is. Um, you know, I've always been one that I love riding motorcycles. I love figuring out motorcycles and trying to figure out like what makes them better, how to get better on them, uh, whether it's myself or the motorcycle. And that's kind of why my school is called Moto Anatomy, uh, cause it's the motorcycle and the body. So I kind of combined the two and I figured, you know, when I, when I signed up for this deal, I didn't really know exactly what I was getting into. Um, you know, I took, took Adrian's word on a few things, got some good, uh, recommendations from some other people. Um, but we just kind of, I want, I jumped into it and was up for the challenge of like going through this process because I, I realized it was going to be, be a process. You know, the, the motor was not meant to go, uh, that fast around a racetrack. Um, you know, it's, it's not its purpose. Um, like you said earlier, it was, you know, there's other teams and uh, manufacturers that, spent lots and lots of money just developing a motor. Um, and I thought it was neat to be able to take this from what I've learned from my past and kind of be the guy now. Um, you know, I was always the rider giving all the feedback and there's another guy making decisions. Now, 
now is the one making a lot of decisions. And I think this point in my career is a time to kind of show uh, what I'm capable of as a, as a writer, but a, you know, on the manager side of things, connecting the right people. I feel like I, I just had a good group of people around me. Um, in the last three years, it's, it's still been sorting those people out and kind of still figuring out that perfect uh, combination. Um, but we've made huge progress and have, have utilized really good people. Um, we've been able to develop this bike and it's, it's been really, really neat to see this process happen. So like I said, when I got offered it, it was not knowing to the extent that I was going to be at now, but it was one of those opportunities that I thought was great and and it turned out to be even better than, than I could even have dreamt. So I'm, I'm pretty excited about it. Sure. And, uh, your first, uh, first couple of races, that was a bit of a rush to get the bike ready. I understand. Um, it, I think Adrian alluded to it earlier. It what landed in the USA just a couple of days before you were due to race it. Yeah. So we, uh, we got the bike, uh, two days before the race. Um, Adrian was giving himself a little bit of credit. Maybe that's when he shipped it, but, uh, it was two days before the race. I went and picked it up at JFK International Airport because um, that was actually our first race was in Pennsylvania. It was September uh, 10th, 11th weekend. And uh, I remember I picked that thing up September, I think it was like 9th. Um, drove up there, got it late that night, like literally had to beg the people to let me get it because it was they were closing the warehouse down. Um, loaded my truck and drove three and a half hours back to – my parents' house where I was utilizing that shop at the moment because I knew we were going racing in two days and the track was only about a half, an hour and a half from there. So I think I got back at like 3 a.m. I started ripping the box apart, looking at everything. Woke up at 7 the next morning and uh, started building the bike. Got the bike put together, rode around the parking lot, um, broke it in. And then, you know, that next day we went and um, uh, raced it to double header. It was a double header weekend. So, uh, during COVID, a lot of the races were, they, they got all 18 rounds in, but they did double header. So they did a you know, Saturday, uh, Friday, Saturday. So our first race was September 10th, 11th. And it was at, um, uh, uh, a racetrack in Williams Grove, Pennsylvania, the half mile. And, uh, it was, it was an experience. I still think it's one of the most memorable ways of kind of kicking off everything um, because we did have a slight issue um, with a gasket. And uh, we literally went out for a heat race. First heat race, we're top three racing with, you know, two of the best guys in that class at the time and uh, blew a, a, a head gasket. So the thing smoked. We had to pull off. Luckily, we had a little bit of time between uh, the semi and the main event, and we were able to use a provisional get in for the main event, but uh, we had to rebuild the thing. And at that point, I never seen inside a Royal motor, really. And um, in a matter of an hour and 15 minutes, we ripped the thing apart, um, changed out the head, the, the head gasket, and, um, you know, put the you know, that was literally the first time I seen how it had, you know, single cam, uh, how the roller, you know, just how everything worked. And I'm, we're, we're rushing through, everything's still hot, we're getting burnt, and um, they're lining up for the main event. And we're still bolting this thing back together. They're on the line. They, they held the, the race a little bit for us. Um, uh, they did their sighting lap, and I pulled out on the track, pulled right in line, and we went out and raced, and we got a, a first top 10 finish and um it was one of those deals where we won that night you know like i felt like i won because the bike broke we fixed it we went out and we finished the main event and uh it was kind of like all right these guys might have some issues you know i think people might be saw like they're in development but damn they're gonna make sure they get they get the job done and um that was kind of the cool thing it kind of it kind of started something that um, I think people still see the program as a very, uh, do all. I mean, we, we do it all. We, you know, we're not, not giving up. Um, you know, it's 
one of those those efforts that we were able to win races the the first two years of going racing and uh a lot of people can't say they've done that with any motorcycle um and we were able to do that so it's they they see the the grit and the grind um from my side and then you know we try to share as much as we can with what you know the harris guys do and the motor guys over in uh the uk have been able to do for us um but it's a big team and that's what's like people i don't think realize how awesome this program actually is because um you know we are just we're chipping away at it but it's it's something that's pretty remarkable to be able to say uh a manufacturer never went racing it's gone racing and won races and uh didn't have the best of uh you know ways of starting off our 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 season our first races you know like in literally COVID, and then last year it's just you know it was it's been a tough process but we just keep keep fighting through it and um yeah it's been it's been pretty cool so that first win it actually came at the end of that first season for you at daytona uh, which was what only about three or four races into you having the bike. Can you tell us a bit about that? Yeah. So if you look at the timeline, it was the first race we did was September 10th. The next race was September 17th. Uh, the next race was September 24th. The next race was, uh, you know, the first and the last race was like October 8th. So literally it was five weeks um, from when we got the bike we had races we actually had to miss because uh, we just didn't have parts. You know, we, we were going through these things. We started pushing the limits of this motorcycle. And um, in that time frame, we, we broke. And, I mean, I had to literally sit out um, Woodstock, um, Georgia, um, which would have been, I think, a really good track for us, like because it was a smaller, uh, you know, smaller half mile, slick. The bike would have been good, but we just didn't have parts. So uh, we missed out on that race. Um, we got ready, we, we got the bike ready for that next race, which was Charlotte. And then we ended up having another little issue. Um, I jumped in the truck, drove straight home. I knew we had six days until the next race. And, uh, we made some changes to the motor and, you know, swapped some stuff out. And we went to Daytona and I was pretty, pretty fired up. You know, it's like, man, it's been a tough season, um, which was only four or five weeks at that point. But it was tough, and um, but the changes I made and the track we were going to was Daytona Short Track. I've won there before. Um, it was an hour and a half from my house. I have a track in my house that's very similar to it. And I messaged Adrian. I said, "Hey, we're gonna win. We're gonna win this weekend." And uh, he, he's like, "What? We've been breaking. A uh, little optimistic there, Johnny." And um, I said, no, no, we're going to make this happen. I, I'm, I'm pretty, pretty confident on this one. And he's like, all right, whatever. And uh, we go out and I think I qualify, you know, first or second, won my heat race. And then we won the main event that, that night. And um, that was literally five or six weeks into having the bike. Um, a lot of challenges. I mean, we drove to Texas and broke the first lap. Um, so I literally had to jump in the truck drive back to try to fix stuff at the warehouse you know it was, it was a lot of moving pieces and um it was it was kind of a blur but it's funny because i can remember everything like it was yesterday because it was such an experience even that first year of going through all these processes and literally just not knowing what i was getting into to the point we're at now where i mean we're we're going to go race our mile for the first time on a motor that we're nearly doubling the horsepower out of, um, which is, I mean, I, I've never really heard of a motor doubling its horsepower, um, to go racing, um, which is incredible. Um, so we, it's, it's funny, like, you know, I look at it and I'm like, man, that was five weeks. That was six weeks. That was crazy. But it's also the determination of like the people around me and, and trusting me. And that goes all goes back to like why I took this opportunity is because, you know, when I realized like, you know, I might sound crazy to Adrian sometimes, but he's actually trusting my process a little bit and we're getting there. You know, there might be ups and there's downs. Um, you know, even this year we've had some more downs than we had ups. We're progressing. 
and sometimes it feels like we're degressing, but it's like, I understand that's part of the process. And now, um, you know, coming into this next race, I kind of feel like this is the start of our 22 season, actually, you know, because again, we were, we developed a new chassis, like Adrian said, the, the 3.5 chassis. Um, I keep suggesting changes and, and seeing how we could make it better. And then we get it, but we don't have time to really test it. So now we're again testing a new chassis at a race for the first time, uh, which was our last race is when we finally got that bike together and got, got the new chassis. Well, then it rains and our whole race day was jammed within one hour. So by the time we went out in practice, we went out for a semi and we went out for a main event was in one hour. So again, it's like we can't win when it comes to timeframes because of stuff that's just out of our hands, out of our control. But we've, we worked around it. Um, you know, we're sitting top five in points. Uh, this for the, already this season, but like I said, it's um, I kind of feel like my season's just starting now. Um, you know, because it's new chassis, we got a little more time on it. We realized where we were off on a few things. Um, we we just spent more time on the motor. Finally, uh, redesigned some stuff with some exhaust pipes, uh, gain power. Um, you know, not, not actually peak power, but power through the whole range of the motor. Um, you know, so all that stuff is like little pieces that are just adding up that, um, you know, like I said, there's days that it feels like you're going backwards, but then it's like, we go one step back, two steps forward and there's these massive gains. So, um, you know, overall it's just, it's been one of those experiences that like, I again could not have pictured anything like this, but it's been such an amazing experience um, running sure. through all these processes. Sure. So, what what was the reaction like in the uh, at the UK Technology Centre, Adrian, when Johnny pulled off that first win at Daytona? Disbelief <laughs> um, <think> first, <laughs> and, and then a whole lot of happiness. You know, it was just yeah. I don't think any anybody expected us to to win anything in in the first year uh, knowing as we did the you know the difficulty in getting parts to johnny the the late arrival of the bikes pre-season um the super tight nature of the season um i just you know we had hoped obviously you know you always hope you don't go racing if you don't have hope <laughs> but um but now it was yeah, it was a really wonderful gift to have to to end the season that way. You know, and it, spur, it just, spur every, spur, yeah, spur everybody on, I guess, for the following well, season yeah, too. Of course, of course, of course. It says, look, you, you can do this actually, um, and you know, now you want to do it more. I mean, this is the danger of winning, of course, is that uh, <laughs> you get a taste and uh, and it, it tastes really good, and you want to have another bite very quickly. So, uh, so yeah, so it, it but. You know, it helped. It helped get us uh, motivated and, and get everybody on the same page for for moving forward and getting the new chassis done, getting the new motors in, that sort of thing. Uh, yeah. yeah. Have you actually made it out to the states for any of the races yourself, or is the no? Um, no. <laughs> no it's, it's been a bit of a. Obviously, couldn't travel for a couple of years there. Um, yeah. And then uh, yeah, we, we met over, but uh, but uh, unfortunately, fell ill just just the day before uh, as as completely horrible luck would have it um but uh, i'm looking at the schedule now and uh, we'll try to get over there uh, asap for uh, a couple of the races sure so johnny what what are the challenges i mean uh, you you've mentioned the there are different si- different length of circuits which i guess uh the royal enfield um ft twin performs differently according to the circuit length and also i think adrian you said earlier the surfaces change according to the temperature and the time of day so can you run us through some of the challenges of of competing uh, johnny yeah i mean you know when we first started the you know the challenge was obviously uh power we were down massively on everybody on power that's why um you know for daytona short track when we won we didn't need any more than 70 horsepower, uh, to win, uh, to win a mile, you know, we got to be close to 
95 horsepower to go win, um, you know, to be competitive and be in the draft and, you know, running 130 miles an hour uh, down the straightaway um, and about, you know, we average of 100 miles an hour around a mile oval, um, you know, so you need, need power, um, good handling bike, you know, so the first year was obviously power. Uh, the second year we started getting more power, but then we realized the chassis was just too stiff. Um, you know, so we started trying to make adjustments to the chassis, trying to make the chassis kind of flex a little bit more for these, um, hard pack clay, uh, ovals, um, which are more of like the half miles. And, um, we run a lot of those. So, uh, we were running to the challenge where, you know, the power was pretty good. We were breaking a, a, a part that we ended up fixing now, but um, the issue was kind of more just with the handling. And we tried every scenario of adjusting the chassis. Um, you know, I spent a lot of time with Harris guys explaining stuff and talking through stuff, changing swing arms and trying to mold this chassis that we had last year um, to to fit these tracks. And we did half decent. You know, we, we had top fours. Um, top fives uh, just never could get any bit more uh we ended up winning lima half mile which is actually like a um like a crushed limestone cushion track they call it like a, a horse running track you know it's a half mile um where there a stiffer is better because it's more of like ripped up it's deep and you kind of plow through everything but these half miles that are clay and they're slick they get really like really, really smooth, really like glazed over. Um, you know, you really need the bike to kind of flex with, uh, the, the track and be one with the track. And, uh, that's where we struggle. And that's, that's the information I gave the Harris guys and over the winter for this year, that's the new chassis they build us. And, uh, you know, like, like we've talked about, it's, it's chassis literally 3.5. Um, if we're calling the first one of the 0.5, because, um, you know, the first year Daytona, the one I won, um, that was one chassis with a linkage set up. Last year when I won, uh, it was the new chassis with a shorter swing arm and some changes. And now now we're on that third chassis that has got the geometry we want and then also the characteristics allow it to flex a little bit more, and um, which should help on the, the tracks that you know we, we struggle with, the slick, the slick ones. And um, you know I'm excited to see – to see that process because at the same time we got flex out of the thing. We also dropped weight. Um, one of the, the things about the rowing field is it's, it, she's a heavy girl and, uh, we were slowly trying to get more and more weight off of it. Um, we got the Harris guys dropped about 10 pounds off the chassis itself over the winter. So now we're getting closer. Uh, you know, the weight limits about 320, and, uh, we're at 350. We were at 360, 62. Um, so we we're still a higher range of, of weight, but we're, we're able to start, you know, kind of taking more weight off this thing. And, you know, same thing, weight on those bigger tracks is, is speed. So, you know, we're looking at, you know, we look at every option during the week. Um, you know, every time we get the bike almost built, I'm like, all right, we can, we can shave that bolt down. You know, we can, we can take that piece off for the mile. We can do this and start kind of, kind of seeing. And then there's me. I'm I'm also not the smallest little jockey, uh, motorcycle racer. You know, a lot of these guys are, you know, jockey size. You know, that were racing. Some of them, some of them are tall now. But, um, you know, Corey Texture that won the last uh, uh, production twins main event or uh, uh, championship. He is probably five five, and a hundred and maybe 30 pounds. Um, I am six foot and 175 pounds. So between the bike and that, you know, we're, we're heavier. So the miles, it makes it, it's going to make it tough. Um, I've been trying to drop weight and stuff like that. You know, that's all the pieces of, of getting ready for some of these tracks. But, um, you know, it's the cool thing is, you know, we're, we're getting closer and closer. Um, you know, we've won a short track, we won a half mile. Um, we just got to win a TT and a mile this year. And we got the, the Royal Enfield grand slam. Uh, that's something they call the grand slam is when you win all four, uh, tracks. Um, and that's a goal of mine. Um, you know, I think in, in a goal of mine to do on a Royal Enfield, I think that would be 
pretty remarkable. So, um, will it happen this year? Not sure, but we, um, I think we, we have a great, great, um, opportunity, great chance of doing it on the TT. Uh, TTs are one of my, my favorites cause it's, uh, you know, we do lefts, rights and a jump. So it's very similar to supermoto. Um, so we ride the twin around, you know, and we actually jump the thing, uh, the mile. Um, I'm really excited to see how this mile goes. Um, like I said, we've made improvements, but also we got to test there at the end of the year in November and it was pretty, pretty good. Even with the older chassis, uh, this mile is a little bit more demanding than the other uh, two on the schedule. So it'll, it'll be interesting to see kind of where we shape up this first, our, our first outing, um, for the rowing field on the, on the mile. So yeah, it's a spectacular sport to watch. watch. Watching you guys, you know, roaring round at 100, 130 miles an hour you're talking about, all aiming for a patch of dirt that's probably only a few inches wide on the bends. I mean, is it dangerous? Uh, I mean, is driving to work dangerous <laughs> most days? Yeah. Um, <laughs> mo- motorcycles are dangerous. You know, it's it's one of those things. It's not really, I wouldn't say 90% of the time, it's not the motorcycle that is dangerous it's the people around us or the our surrounding area because we aren't in a roll cage. Um, you know, for me, I trust what I'm doing. Uh, can't say that about every other racer out there or when I'm riding on the road, can't trust the cars. So, um, you know, we're all professionals out there. We're all, we all kind of know what we're, what we're doing. Uh, there's sometimes guys make little bonehead mistakes that mess up and take some people down and, and things like that. But, most of the time we, we know, you know, it's pretty calculated. Um, you know, I'd rather be racing on the track than riding on the road personally, um, every day. Um, because we are all kind of 100% focused on what we're doing when we're out there. So, um, you know, to me, I, I try to explain it when I'm teaching schools and stuff too. It's, you know, we're, when we're on the track, you're, you're in a, you know, an enclosed environment and you're in control of the situation. Um, when you're riding on the road, you're not really controlling the situation. So you can, you have to be aware as much awareness as you can. So, um, you know, it's fast, you know, the speeds are fast, but you know, the cool, some of the technology that we have to wear now, uh, we wear airbag suits and obviously the helmets are not, you know, just off the shelf, um, you know, hundred dollar helmets. They're, they're pretty good helmets that we're wearing and there's requirements and they check them every race. So, you know, we all go through that procedure of the you know trying to keep everything as safe as possible but at the end of the day we are we are going fast and it is risky but um you know we're all kind of within our means at this at this level uh we kind of know what our capabilities are and you know like i said there's there's days when things are somebody feels a little bit more cocky and sends it in the corner up the inside of you and pushes you off the groove and you know at 100 miles an hour you're now you're sliding towards the air fence but um you know, they're, they're the days you want to, you know, kind of eliminate and try to stay away from those people. And, you know, now what's cool is, you know, at first when I was racing, I was riding with guys, um, you know, first racing with the rowing fields, riding with guys that I really felt like I shouldn't be riding with, you know, we were, we were just down on power and the bike was developing. So, um, there was, there was times I'm out there, I'm like, man, just, I don't know what this guy's going to do because his, you know, level wasn't what I was used to riding with some of the other guys when I was on, you know, bikes that are a little closer to them. Uh, but now it's, you know, I'm one of the guys that pull out there and I'm one of the fast guys and I'm with the fast guys. And, uh, you know, when you go out for your qualifying practice, we go out by how we are in points. So I'll go out fifth on track now. And, um, that's a big, that's a big step for also the development side of things because now I'm getting to pull out on the racetrack with the fastest guys versus before I was the last guy out on the track because I had no points and, you know, I broke. So I was the last guy out every time and I was by myself and I wasn't able to learn from the other riders. Now I'm with those guys every weekend and I see what they're doing and I see what they're, how their bike's reacting because I'm able to see their back tire because I'm only – a few inches from them and I can see what their bike's doing and it helps my learning process and developing process even more, uh, throughout the race day. So, um, you know, to see the changes even from first year to now, just on that side of things, um, 
you know, it's, it's neat to see because it's going to allow the program to progress even more um, in that nature. Sure, sure. Uh, and of course, people now can get involved in learning uh, how to do it themselves in the Royal Enfield Slide School. And maybe you can tell us a bit about your motor anatomy school and how it operates and what attendees uh, can expect. Yeah, so with the with the Royalfield Slide School, um, you know, by Moto Anatomy here in the states, we uh, it's, it's kind of funny. Uh, I kind of look back on this and I kind of laugh every time. Adrian too is before I even had a contract with Royalfield. Adrian's like, "Hey, you want to come to India?" And I was like, "This was November. This was November 2019." And I was like, "And we just started talking about the program. I just met Adrian." Uh, in October at an event that I was running and um, I was like yeah sure it'd be cool he's like yeah we're gonna launch the whole slide school concept uh, to the India market show them you know what it's about display the bikes uh, I want you to ride around and um, I'm like okay I'll bring some gear um, well I flew over there my gear doesn't show up um, my, my my clothes don't show up so I'm there in India for uh, three or four days with no gear, nothing, you know, to wear. So now we're sourcing helmets and boots and I'm wearing my jeans and they have this little flat track and we, you know, we, we launch it and I start sliding in the corner and you can see everybody's excitement was getting higher and higher. You know, it's like they've never really seen the flat track to this level, you know, seeing a motorcycle slide into a corner. Um, and then I start wheeling you know the school bike and then the guys really got excited because it's like i'm sliding in the corner i'm wheeling out of the corner on a you know a himalayan event you know pretty much and uh you know a lot of guys are like there's no way a himalayan can wheelie and now you're wheeling it so they just they saw the sport of flat track and it was very exciting to them and what i was getting at is i went over and did this before me and adrian even had a contract or anything in place um before I even rode, you know, the actual race bike. And, um, that's when I realized, man, this company is pretty cool. Um, you know, they do some cool stuff. That's not just the racing side of things. You know, for me, um, I've been so race, 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 race. And then I get into a company that has been non-racing, but other cool, cool events and custom building, you know, custom bike builds and kind of pushing all that kind of stuff. A lot of history but none in racing. I'm like, this is kind of neat to be part of. Um, you know, so that was, that was my first, we launched the school and everything. And then after that was what Adrian was talking about as I flew over, it was right before, uh, right before Christmas, I flew over, rode the bike around the, you know, uh, your base there, you know, it was raining. It was almost snowing that, that, that day. Uh, that's when I saw the first chassis for the first time. And then after that was when I got my, my contract. But in all that, you know, Adrian started talking to me, hey, the slide school, this is our ideas. You know, could you do it? And I was like, yeah, it'd be, it'd be, it'd be neat, you know, because a lot of my Moto Anatomy original school is just racers. You know, we I just work with racers. Um, I saw this as an opportunity to kind of introduce flat track to new people Um in a way that it was, you know, uh, I would say more realistic. There's, there's other schools that kind of introduce flat track to people, but they're on mini bikes, you know, very small, you know, TTR 125s and stuff like that, where this was like a full size bike. People are actually familiar with the bike. You know, there's, you know, there's a good amount of people that in the, in, in the U S that follow the brand, you know, like own Himalayans. So when we announced the slide school that we were doing it, obviously it was COVID then hit, uh, but I got the bikes. Um, I put together my first school in August. Um, you know, obviously it was a, a small location, small number of people per, per session, but we followed, you know, as much guidelines as we could to make sure we, we started this process. But I think I sold out uh, four sessions um, within like in Ohio in the middle of Ohio in four sessions in like, I don't know, a week. Um, and then the next school and the next school and the next school. So I think we're, we're now at like 400 students in since that, uh, August, 2020 that have gone through a slide school program. Um, or will have gone through a slide school program by the end of, you know, 
by the middle of this year. So that's 400 people that, you know, the slide school program has got into flat track to try for the first time, you know, whether they're, uh, never rode dirt before, um, you know, maybe you know, have rode dirt, uh, but mainly street riders that have not rode dirt are the ones that sign up for this. And, um, it's a neat, it's neat to see this process, especially because it's on a motorcycle that is a full size motorcycle. It's very much like a race bike, you know, as far as the size wise, uh, the tires, um, you know, the power's down a little bit, but that's also very good for what we're teaching people to do for a first time. Um, you know, so it's, you know, for me at first, I'm like, ah, this is just, you know, just another little project, but now it's turned into like, I actually really enjoy the process of teaching new people how to ride flat track because that leads into people wanting the race. And now I've actually had people that come through my, the, the slide school that have now, you know, gone on and went and bought a race bike and now are racing um, versus all my students in the past were all racers that just wanted to get better. Now these people are actually going through the whole process. And, um, and it's mainly, you know, it's just it was because of the Royal Enfield, you know, doing the slides, you know, putting together the slide school and, and creating that opportunity that has not really been out there for people. So, um, so how, how long does it take? Uh, so if you're a student and come along, are they with you for a day or is it a multi-day training program? So with a slide school itself, it's actually just a three hour, three and a half hour program. Um, and for, for somebody that's never flat tracked before, it's actually, it's an, it's enough time because what with flat track is, you know, motocross, you can ride and you can take it easy and you can go through the corner easy and, you know, stay in the rut. Uh, with flat track, you, I always say you have to be 100% the whole time you're riding. So you have to be, you know, to, to slide a motorcycle, you can't just like half-ass slide a motorcycle. It's either you're sliding or not. So to, to make that, that process, you know, somebody will go in the corner and once they get it, they're like, oh, there's the slide. And they feel it and they're so excited. But as soon as they get a little bit tired and they start skipping a step, the slide goes away because you have to have to do every single step and everything has to overlap perfectly to get to that point. So it's actually really, you know, I've tried a little bit longer schools with some people um, for newbies, uh, but it's literally that three, three and a half hour time range is perfect uh, for me uh, with my students to, to really get to that point of like where they, they just keep accelerating before they drop back off because they're tired. Um, you know, because a lot of these guys are just, or women are just, um, you know, everyday street riders that, you know, ride for fun every every other week and once a month. And then they come out and do this. And then I'm pushing them, you know, pretty hard and, and stretching them. And, hey, you got to get the leg out. You got to push the bike down. So they're, I always joke, it's like, you're doing yoga on a motorcycle for three hours. You ever tried doing yoga for three hours? Like, not really possible. So, um it's just kind of that balance. So it, it's been a very neat program, uh, you know, in a short amount of time that teaches a lot and everybody leaves there. Like I just learned so much that applies to not only flat track, but street riding, motocross, uh, you know, road racing, Goro, it all overlaps, you know, flat track is a very unique sport because, um, despite us not, you not really having a front brake except for the TTs, um, you learn how to control a motorcycle so much more with your body than you do with, you know, inputs of front and rear brakes and, you know, changing geometry with front brake, like you do on a road race bike, you go in the corner, you, you trail brake and it changes geometry. It turn, makes the front end go down and turn. Well, now I'm teaching you how to do that with your body. So there, there's more body input into riding a motorcycle. And then you add back in, you know, using a front brake when you're on a road, but also knowing how to use your body. Now you just, you just added two more, you know, another tool to the, to the toolbox and you have that much more control when you're riding. So, um, it's cool to see how people respond to this slide school program. Um, you know, where they take it and the excitement of it. I can tell you that from the first year to now, um, you know, this is kind of my third year. Um, you know, I, I have a lot of repeat customers because they just enjoyed the process of that day. Um, like I said, even if it's three hours, they enjoyed 
the process of going back through all the steps and how much you can learn on a motorcycle um, in a small little area, you know, going around a mobile. I think one of the things we like about it also is how it helps people to be better riders on the street. You know, there's, you're, you're talking about being able to control um, your back end sliding around. And that's something that people invariably experience uh, at least once and probably considerably more than that. You know, uh, you, you pop on the rear brake, you come to, you know, in, in a sort of traffic situation and it's equipping people um, better uh, to deal with that situation, how to control it, how to work through it. And in learning from, you know, from Johnny or, or one of our other slide school uh, teachers, they can then control that motorcycle, whereas perhaps before they would have crashed. Um, and that's, I think that's a great thing to be able to, you know, to, to give to the community as well. So it's a sport that seems to be uh, growing in popularity. Um, how's the slide school going in India? It's in Bangalore, I understand. Yeah, yeah, it's going really good. And um, we're looking, hoping to open more slide schools around India as well. Obviously, it's a big country. Um, and so, uh, you know, you can't expect people to be flying, you know, each one. So we want to make it as easy as possible to experience uh, the slide schools. Um, yeah, and, and the more the merrier, honestly. You know, as, as the concept proves itself out, as John, Johnny's noted, you know, we're talking 400 students just in the U.S. Um, in, in a pretty short period of time. So that's really given us, uh, like, like that first win, that's given us a lot of, um, you know, confidence and momentum. Um, to, to keep it going and, and sort of invite more people, provide more people with the opportunity to uh, try out this, this sport um, and, like I said, become a better, mm. you know, better uh, road rider in, in the process. And, of course, now there are FT twins competing in DTRA flat track racing here in the UK. Uh, and we're going to be talking to two Royal Enfield riders competing in that in the next episode. Uh, but are there any plans to extend this uh, further? Maybe, well, you've mentioned more schools in India. Anywhere else in the world? Um, any more fa- factory entries anywhere else? Another another Johnny Lewis? somewhere else <laughs> there's only one journey thank god but you know <laughs> but um but no i we are still very much in the development phase of things and you know we're as johnny said we're still um working with this new chassis to to tune it to be absolutely all the best it can be mm. um and so you know, as we get that, as we as Johnny continues to develop the chassis and has that confidence on it, um, and we would, yeah, we would then look to expand our teams and, and grow the program even more. You know, in the same way we are doing with the side schools, you, you try it out, you prove it, you find a, a design that works, um, and then you, you know, and then you grow. Um, and you know, I think we're with each step we take forward, each modification we make, uh, we get closer to that. Um, so, you know, we're looking for that, for that sign off from Johnny where he's like, yep, this is the one, this is it. Okay. We're good now. Yeah. Um, and, and then we'll, then we'll take it forward from there. Right. I'm sure that all our listeners as well as myself will be rooting for you, Johnny, throughout the 2022 season. When is the, when is the next race, by the way, and how can people watch it? Uh, the next race is May, uh, 27th, 28th weekend. Uh, it's our Memorial day weekend. So they're running a doubleheader at the Lexington, Kentucky, uh, Red Mile. That's um, like I said, it's our first mile, but it's we've actually got a chance to be there. So in November, so um, you know the races are, you know, uh, you know, right now they've been kind of spread out a little bit. Um, we got this week, and then we get one weekend off. Uh, then we race again in New Hampshire. We got one weekend off. Then we race again in uh, Ohio. Then the next weekend is New York. Then we get a weekend off. And then at the end of June or end of July, we end up having about seven, seven weeks in a row uh, with only one weekend off. But it literally goes from the middle of the country all the way west and then works our way all the way back, back east, um, back to Illinois. So, um, you know, our schedule is pretty, pretty crazy how it, how it works. You know, it's been good for us being spread out right now. Uh, you know, we were able to continue the development side of things, but basically get everything ready to hit the road and uh, go to the each American flat track race with multiple bikes, extra motors, and kind of have a full package together. So, yeah, our next race is the you know coming up here in two weeks, uh, the Lexington Red Mile, 
Uh, the American Flat Track website has information how to watch. You can watch some of it on on Facebook earlier in the day, and then it switches over to their their paid their paid service to to watch it. And then for us in the state, we get it um, about a week later. They air it on Fox um, on on national television. So um, you know it's it's been good for the sport to kind of uh, have multiple platforms to watch it. Um, you know the Fox program supposedly. Uh, had record number at the opening round uh, as far as uh, viewership. So, um, you know, it's, it's cool to see uh, more people kind of watching and taking the time to kind of, even if they're clicking on and, and watch it for a little bit, kind of see it because, um, you know, it's, it's been interesting the last couple of years, the more and more places I go, more and more people know flat track. Um, you know, a lot before, if you talk to a road racer, like, oh, I don't really know any flat trackers. Now every road racer knows kind of all the flat trackers. Um, a lot of the motocross guys know flat trackers. I'm actually in the Mecca of, uh, where I live is kind of the Mecca of like supercross and motocross guys, uh, training facilities. So, uh, I'm at a bike shop, you know, right now recording this, um, you know, it's got a coffee and smoothie place in it. And, you know, um, a lot of the top guys will come in here. Um, but it's funny before they wouldn't know who I was, uh, now they do. Um, you know, they're starting to kind of recognize flat track as a pretty, pretty neat sport. You know, guys like Travis Pastrana will jump in and have some fun with flat track and Ryan Sipes, um, you know, Zach Osborne just came out. He's a, you know, a pro motocross guy and spent some time over in Europe. Um, Ryan Moto, he, he came out and rode flat track for the first time, um, a couple weeks ago on my property. So, more and more guys are getting into it and it's, it's kind of, uh, it's, it's, it's neat to see the growth of it that way. Um, social media has been good, but, um, you know, to kind of help grow it, but it's, it's also people just wanting to get out and try it. You know, uh, they, they see that it's, you know, they think it's just going around an oval and it's just sliding in the corner. Then they do it and they're like, man, this is hard, but it's so cool. You know, that slide is like nothing, uh, nothing you can really explain. Like once you, it, it's, it's like skiing. If you ever skied, you know, like skiing down a mountain, but now you're on a motorcycle, 300 pound, you know, plus motorcycle or, you know, 250 dirt bike that's switched over to flat track and you're sliding into a corner. That, that feeling is pretty, pretty remarkable. Um, and, and for guys that race supercross that are going in the air, jumping 65 feet, you know, distance and whipping it for them to say they, the feeling of sliding a bike on dirt, is that, that crazy of a feeling? It's pretty, it must mean it's pretty unique. So, um, you know, overall it's, mm-hmm. you know, the sport of flat track has been getting some great exposure and, um, you know, with Rowan field, it's, it's opened up a whole new platform of people, um, that have followed me, um, from across the world, you know, uh, but here, even in the States, you know, there's, there's the, the group of Rowan field, um, you know, kind of owners that, you know, just bought the bikes because they like the classic look and, you know, the, the, the price range and, you know, how they just run and run and run, um, are now became Johnny Lewis fans, you know, Johnny Lewis, Rowanfield fans of, of the racing. And it's unique to see those guys come because now I have some really passionate Rowanfield fans. Like, um, it's like the days of like, you know, you heard the guys that were just, you know, the Harley Davidson fans and stuff like that. It's, I have those Runfield guys that are wearing the Runfield shirts, the hats, the belt buckles, you know, um, you know, that are just so excited to see a Runfield out there racing. Um, they're talking about my program, but they're also talking about the BTR girls that race the flat track. They're talking about the BTR girls that road race. Um, it's just neat to see a community that has grown in the last three years. And for me to be part of it from day one is pretty special. And then, you know, to see, to see it just, I mean, it, it, it doesn't feel like it's stopping either. You know, we got celebrities. I just, I just did a media uh, launch with the classic 350, and, you know, I just took, um, you know, the guy that's in some pretty good movies, uh, riding, you know, and he's just got a motorcycle. He's 32 years old like me and just got his first motorcycle and is riding and, and the excitement's there. And he's just, he's a Royal fan now and, and follows the racing. And, um, it's just so neat to be part of, uh, you know, this community of, 
Royenfield riders, um, you know, across the world that are just passionate and excited to see your success. Um, you know, even on your bad days, you know, I have guys, you know, most of the time, if I had a bad day, you don't hear from anybody on social media. You know, when you win, you hear from everybody, everybody texts you, everybody sends you a good, good job. But on your bad days, you know, you usually have nobody message you, email you, call you. Um, I have a good amount of people that religiously reach out to me and just like, man, you know, I'm still just super proud of what you're doing with this motorcycle and where you've came from. And, the, and it's like reminders. I'm like, man, I, I, sometimes I forget what we were able to accomplish in, uh, you know, two and a half years, not even, um, not even two and a half years, what we've been able to accomplish. And it's because I have these fans that, you know, and, and real infield owners and people that are just excited about it. That reminds me kind of every day. And that's, uh, you know, it's pretty, it's pretty grateful for me as a rider. Um, you know, somebody that, you know, you brought up is, you know, doing something that's, you know, somewhat dangerous. It's, it's pretty awesome to be doing this for a company, loyal fans, you know, like loyal, you know, people riding the brand, uh, at the end of the day, it means a lot to me. So, um, you know, I think overall that's, that's the big picture for me is I want to make the motorcycle go fast, mm -hmm. but also I want to be part of uh, this brand and a family and, and continue to see success, whether we're winning races or we're launching new motorcycles. Um, you know, I, I, I'm pretty fortunate to be part of, uh, a lot within the Royfield, you know, uh, brand, uh, especially in the U S um, Brie Poland has been m getting me to do a lot of, uh, inside opportunities with the brand. And, like I said, launching bikes and hosting dealer meetings and, and things like that. And it's, it's created a, a very neat opportunity, uh, for me to, like I said, be part of a brand that, um, now is, is like a family. So, um, you know, for many years to come with this program and more racing and more slide schools to open up across the world and, uh, more traveling for me and, and doing some fun stuff. Cause, uh, that's what this, this brand has done for me and um, looking forward to seeing other people get the excitement of sliding a motorcycle. Sure. And for people outside of North America, Adrian, how can they watch? Can they catch up on YouTube is, or is there another channel they can see? Right. Uh, no, they can, they can watch it live. They can watch it live. Um, if you, uh, if you do, do a search for uh, uh, American flat track international streaming, um, one of the top result that comes up, I think it is, will be for the, the AFT international streaming site. Um, and you can watch, uh, everything from, yeah, from the first, for the first practices, when the gates open first practices all the way through to the, you know, the award ceremony, um, for free, um, on the international streaming site. Um, so. Yeah, we actually have it a bit easier internationally, weirdly, than, <laughs> than in the U.S. for getting access to it. Um, but yeah, no, anybody can do it. You, you just have to have a bit of fortitude because uh, the the races can be a bit late at night. And uh, uh, from you know, if you're in Europe or, or India or, or wherever, um, but uh, it's definitely worth it uh, to uh, to give it a go at least once. Um, they're they're a lot of fun to watch, and and uh, obviously, then you can see uh, see Johnny. Uh, do the business there. sure well, as i said earlier we'll all be rooting for you this season johnny wish you the best of luck thank you both so much for today it's been absolutely brilliant speaking with you both um yeah really really been excellent no, i appreciate having me on thank you gordon thank you both so much for joining us and thank you too for joining in but before logging out here's another gordon's history nugget Although Johnny's win at Daytona was Roy Lenfield's first official flat track win, there have been wins in the past by private entries on Roy Lenfield's, most notably by Elliot Schultz. In 1964, riding a 500cc bullet, Elliot won 31 out of 39 flat track races, including stringing together nine straight main event wins. His motorcycle's engine, specially tuned from racing, came from a big head bullet, so-called because of its enlarged cylinder head, which was shipped to the United States in the rare Fury model, 
a handsome street scrambler easily modified and tuned for competition, be that flat track, scrambles or desert racing. Original Furies are extremely desirable today and many owners have over the years customised their Royal Enfields to create replicas of these 60s beauties. Well that really is all for now, so to ensure you don't miss any future Ride Pure podcasts, Remember to subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. If you have ideas and suggestions for future episodes, do get in touch by email. Ride Pure Podcast at RoyalEnfield.com. And if you've enjoyed this podcast, be sure to like, add us to your favourites, or even leave a review. Until next time, we wish you great roads and safe riding. Okay, Ian, that's it. Uh, Cheers.